Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after $22.50 a month credit. Apply within two bills. If cancel early, remaining balance due. Unlimited basic after 630 20 Pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto-pay data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Looking for the perfect solution for dinner at home tonight? Pick up a homemade family bundle from Carrabba's to check all the boxes on your dinner list. Literally, feed up to five, starting at $7 each. Check. They're made from scratch. Check. Choose from homemade spaghetti and meatballs, Carrabba's classic family recipe lasagna, and more. Check. Served with salad and bread. Check. Wait, I'm out of boxes. Order a family bundle starting at only $34.99 at Carrabba's.com to feed your family dinner tonight the quick, easy way. Carrabba's, Italian worth talking about. What's going on, Golf Addicts? This is the Open Championship Podcast. I am your host, David Barnett, and our lovely co-host on the other end is Mr. Pat Perry. How you doing, Pat? I'm good. Wow, lovely. I don't know if you've ever... Well, you are. You're a lovely man, you are. (laughs) And it is Open Championship Week, and I'm excited. No more John Deere, no more... Quicken Loans, crappy fields. We've got championship caliber golf, world-class players, a stacked field, and I'm excited. And in just a few minutes, our boy Ash Morrison will be joining us. We're going to bring him in. We're going to talk about the golf course at Royal Birkdale. Uh, The key stats for Ash, Pat, and myself, as well as our picks, our fades, some strategy discussion and all that fun stuff. This will be a slightly longer podcast than normal, but we have a ton of content and we want to give you the best that we've got uh, with the Open Championship, the Millie Maker on the line, a lot of other contests and a lot of new players and a lot of experienced players putting in a lot of money as well. So it's a critical week and I am pumped about it. But first we have... A few other announcements we want to get out of the way. Pat, you still have those uh, new T-shirts in store, right? Oh yeah, we got we got a lot left. We got the uh, let's see, we got the beefy tees. It's that's what I, that one's called the Pat. Um, which again, you, you came up with these names, so whatever. Uh, we have blue and red, and then we have uh, the the high quality the David. Right, which makes total sense. Yes, yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, Maybe blue... high maintenance is what it should be. Huh? Yeah, well, that is certainly true. But but the shirts aren't high maintenance. No, they're great. Just so we we need to get those off the shelves, and, and we we had quite a few orders last week. But just remember, I mean these these things are uh, they're a hot item. Yeah, thanks uh, thanks to all of you who helped uh, get those off the shelves early last week. We had Pat. Shipping some boxes, that's always fun. It's always good to know Pat's doing some work around here. So. <laughs> Go check that out, tourjunkies.net, and you can check out the store. Uh, also, another one more quick announcement. The big podcast interview that we teased last week and mentioned that we would be releasing at the end of last week, we apologize. We were not able to do that as we're waiting on one little last-minute but very critical detail. So. Give us a minute. Deal with the delay. We apologize for those of you getting upset with us. We, for once, did not meet a timeline, but normally we do. It's still going to be a phenomenal podcast. 
We may wait and release it till the end of this week, just because I don't want it to... I mean, I don't know, Pat, what do you think? I, I wouldn't want it to run up against the Open Championship. Maybe we'll release it once they tee off or something. That could be fun. Yeah, I think it's a, it's it's after they tee off at least. And but let, let's just say though, this thing this is well worth the wait. This is yeah, it's this a is great a interview. One. Yeah, very entertaining, very enlightening. And don't forget the contest that goes along with it. If you were not here last week, you need to know this: the interview that we release, and you'll you'll know it when we put it out. But there's a standalone interview that we are releasing coming out. And when we do, if you retweet it, if you share it on Facebook, or if you go on our Instagram and tag three friends, you get a drawing each into a contest to win two tickets to the PGA Championship practice round on Tuesday at Quail Hollow on us. And if you can't go, no big deal. We'll send you the tickets. You can turn around and sell them and then, you know, gamble the money away. I got those tickets this weekend, actually. I have them in hand. Got them in hand. Nice. So that's the contest. So once again, when we tweet out the, the, you know, the episode, when we share it on Facebook, we're going to put a a clip of it on Instagram. Just retweet, share, and tag three friends on Instagram. And every time, you know, if you do each of those three things, you get three entries. So uh, pretty cool. And then we'll pick a winner and uh, you'll get two two free tickets. Pretty good stuff. So be on the lookout for that probably at the end of this, this week for the Open. Yeah. So like Thursday, Friday, Saturday-ish is what we'll do. Uh, Anything else on that, Pat, before we recap the John Deere and the Scottish Open? No, that's all I got. Buy t-shirts. Yes. All right, I do want to recap the the John Deere and Scottish Open, and we don't have to go too much into detail because I know nobody really cares to hear about that. But once we get done recapping it, I kind of want to pick your brain a little bit on some strategy around you know, weeks before a major and, and players that we saw play well this past weekend and, and players that we may not have that are heading there, you know, heading to Royal Birkdale. So the uh, John Deere and Scottish Open, I, I got to watch a lot of golf actually on Sunday and uh, I watched Callum Shinkwin bless his poor, poor heart, just totally just buckle under the pressure Sunday at the Scottish and just hand the, the trophy and the 1.3 mil to Rafa Cabrera Bello, just handed it to him right there uh, on the 18th green twice, not being able to make par. Uh, well, not being able to make par the first time on 18. It was just really sad to watch. But Callum Shinkwin, young talent, um, but it just it wasn't his day. And then we watched Bryson DeChambeau come up out of the uh, out of the blue here on Sunday to beat Patrick Rogers and a slew of other people. It was a pretty jam packed leaderboard at the John Deere Classic. I was on Bryson DeChambeau, if, if you remember. It's like the only time I've ever been on him, and he won. He's been in fantastic form lately. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the guy still, but it is what it is. Uh, any, any thoughts from, uh, from either one of those tournaments? Did you get to watch a little bit of that? I watched a little bit of the end of, uh, of the Scottish Open, but it was not. I, I was busy doing a few other things it was a sunday morning it's it's just it's tough for me but i did watch a good bit of the john deere classic and was quite surprised with DeShambo's. i went well i guess i wouldn't say surprised with him because he's been coming around in his game you know he's he missed like what seven or eight straight cuts but then if you look at his last few weeks he's he's improved almost every week so i think uh it was a good definitely a good win i was pulling for my boy patrick rogers who you know i just I'm always on on Patrick Rogers, and and I think uh, he's a great, fantastic player. 
he's gonna get a gonna get a win here, I think, soon. But he he sort of blew it. But uh, you know, I don't know how you make a part, you know, a bogey on the seventeenth hole there. But when you duck hook your driver into the crap, it's easy to do. Well, yeah, yeah, but but you are always on Patrick Rogers, and that, that last week was like the first time you've never said his name on the show. I know, and the thing is, I mean. The guy's ultra, ultra talented. Just, just like Deshambo. I mean, I, I believe Patrick Rogers was a number one ranked amateur in the world at one point. Uh, actually, played in this John Deere Classic and had a lead as an amateur uh, at a very young age. So I think you know, it, it was kind of sad for me to see him lose it. But you know, whatever. Deshambo has now punched his ticket to the Open. It, and I it guess was. It was pretty entertaining to watch Patrick Rogers bomb it by Daniel Berger by about 25 to 30 yards every tee shot. That <laughs> yeah. was unreal. Like, Berger is not a short hitter, and Rogers was just waving to him as his ball went down the fairway. I- I'm not sold on Patrick Rogers. I'm just not. I, I mean, I- I- it was I actually think he's still kinda... young, and I think he's still got a lot to learn, but I do think you'll see. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, major winner anytime soon, but I think he'll, he'll win a. A tournament out here on tour and, and how about this though you know i know for you and i both last week we were fading the over 10k range and that pretty much held true i think Berger snuck in there and got a top five stricker just had a what was stricker well he was at the he was at the uh very top of the nine range I yeah guess, he was but, nine yeah but still we were we were kind of fading stricker too and he just had that incredible round on sunday but for the most part that strategy worked last week yeah, I mean, you know, Harmon and Kiz made made uh, and, and Berger obviously made the cut. Berger finished pretty well. You know, Berger may have returned value, I guess. Although Sunday he definitely flamed out with just a bunch of pars. Uh, Kisner and Harmon made a ton of birdies, just didn't didn't end up all that well. So you know, you could argue they did okay. Lee withdraw uh, really hurt a lot of people. Danny Lee withdrawing, uh, which we weren't on him anyway, so that was good. So we we had a decent week. We I don't know. It wasn't great. It was it was okay. We we picked twenty four guys. Six missed the cut. We had three in the top ten and six in the top twenty five. Despite all of that, we had a lot of green screens this week. I had some pretty green screens and made a nice little profit. I know uh, we had a couple of listeners already tweet us uh, making some nice lineups. A couple of people even uh, just getting into DFS and kind of jumped into golf. I think because baseball was was on a hiatus. And did pretty well, too, for the first time out. So congrats to you guys. We always love seeing the green screens. We don't care how much you spend. It's just, you know, you you, you got a good lineup out there, and you, ma- you make some money, show it to us. It doesn't matter if it was in a you know $5 double up. That's awesome. Yeah. So well, uh, and, and don't forget that my lineup won. You know, we don't Your lineup usually... won the contest with our, our friend on Twitter. Kevin is his name. Yeah, your yeah. cash lineup produced slightly more points than me because Robert Streb MDF'd. I got 6-6 six of six through the cut. You got five of six, but the MDF from Streb screwed me. Kevin Nah screwed me. Yeah, he screwed every a lot which of people. way last week. I mean, if he had made the cut, I w- it would have been a totally different story for me. I know you had a really good week. I had a pretty terrible week, but I had a lot of five of six. It was just Nah just killed me. Just killed me. Well, he was chalky and he he busted a lot of people. So, uh, yeah. but not not lost in that is the performance from Ash Morrison, our resident Euro DFS stud, who's coming on here in just a minute. Continues to to pick really good golfers in his write up on our website over on One Groove Low uh, on TourJunkies.net. So Ash had a great week. I know. 
going into Sunday, he was first place in two of the uh, two contests. I think he was he was doing really well. And then I think Fowler and Poulter flaming out hurt him a little bit. Uh, but I know he had a great week. And uh, congrats to him. We had a lot of people a lot of people tweeting about that as well. And even I I had a pretty good week in Euro D. I doubled my money in Euro DFS just just from just off of Ash's pick. So. Listen, we're we're gonna bring him on in a minute because he knows what he's looking at and he knows he knows what's going on. So good stuff there. Um I wanna talk a little bit about this, Pat. Like when when you have the week before when you have the week before a major, let's let's first talk John Deere Classic. You know, I know that John Deere does a great job of having charter jets ready for these boys who qualify for the open to get there as quickly as possible so that they can they can prepare for Royal Burkdale. Um, what are your thoughts on playing guys from the John Deere Classic this week? Well, I mean, it kind of, you could code two different ways there. I mean, one, are you saying, you know, because of recent form or are you saying because they might be a little bit tired? I mean, you know, obviously recent form is is something that we're going to look at going into this week. And we'll look at that from the Scottish Open too, but I don't really put too much stock in in the tired sort of hey they took a flight overnight or whatever it was you know got there late monday i I don't really that's not going to be something where i'm just going to not play a guy i mean you look at like when we interviewed kisner you know before the u.s open i mean he'll play nine holes here nine holes there and he he just feels like you know he'll he'll get a good idea of the of the course within just a couple days so i'm not really that concerned about that i mean maybe your rookies and, and things like that but this is a, this is a, they're playing a court a different course every year on the open so it's not like the masters where where the rookies you know don't particularly play well but so from that standpoint no i'm not really worried about it you know but i do think i am going to pay attention to some recent form uh especially at the scottish and some of these european guys because they're just going to be they're they're i mean let's just face it they're used to playing in the conditions that they're going to be playing in uh typically you see out on tour every week that i mean yeah they'll have some weather delays but for the most part they don't really have to deal with what what they're going to see at uh at royal birkdale if the weather is bad which we we don't know for sure yet um you look at last time they played here i mean plus 3 1 and I mean, everybody was was pretty terrible. But so, I guess my take is is that uh, no, I don't really care about the fatigue factor. Yes, I am going to take recent form in the Deer and in the Scottish Open. So there, there's my answer for that. Well, I think as far as the Scottish Open, you're exactly right. I, and and I, I want to say I don't know the stat right off the top of my head. It's either the last six or eight winners of the Open played the Scottish Open the week before, and that's a pretty staggering trend when you think about it. So I, I definitely think the Scottish Open carries a lot more weight if you see a guy in form versus uh, a guy in form at the John Deere. I mean, I, I'm gonna lean towards guys playing the Scottish Open. And and I think you're right. Like they're used to playing in those conditions. They they get accustomed to the weather, the travel, the time zone difference. They get you know they get a feel for what's going on, and they just hop on over to Royal Burkdale as soon as their rounds over on Sunday. So I do think that is an advantage. I, I think the question that we're probably going to get a lot this week is the John Deere Classic. I, I think a lot of people who may be new to PGA DFS um, or, or even some that aren't are just going to want to know 
what are we going to do with guys traveling from the John Deere maybe late on Sunday? Um, you know, and how do we how do we handicap? Do you handicap that? And I think you kind of do, but I think it depends on the player. I don't think it can be a hard and fast rule. I mean, I'll tell you this, and we're not going to get into picks yet, but DeChambeau and Wesley Bryan, two guys who, young guys who are going to play in their first Open Championship, did not grow up playing in conditions like this, um, traveling you know, after a late day on Sunday at the John Deere, going to the Open, given the fact that it's their first Open, given the fact that you know, they're not, I mean, yeah, they're in good form, but they're not the most consistent players in the world anyway. I'm probably going to fade both of them. Like, to me, the the travel and the late Sunday and the first time at the Open and not really playing a whole lot in those conditions, all of that adds up to probably a fade for me. Am I going to fade Zach Johnson because, you know, he played late into Sunday? Well, no, because he does this, he's done this for a decade and a half now. Um, he knows what he's doing, and he's he's familiar with, you know, with playing over there. So I think it's different. I think you do have to take it player by player, but I will favor Scottish Open guys um, for sure, just because uh, obviously the numbers the numbers say something about that. So yeah, and I, I agree with you there, on, especially on the John Deere. I think it is sort of player by player, and I'm kind of with you on DeChambeau and, and Wesley Bryan. But um, you look at the, the more experienced guys who have who've done this, like like you mentioned, Zach Johnson. They're not going to really concern me that much from the travel fatigue and whatever else factor. I mean, th- those guys know what they're doing. I mean, the, they're professionals. They're all professionals out here. The younger guys, though, they do they they've got to learn, you know, kind of what to do in weeks like this. So I'll probably. I mean, you look at British the British Open too. I mean. You always almost see a very experienced player win it. I mean, I can't think of the last time I remember. I mean, like, who's the last winner that just Rory was the last like younger winner? Is that yeah. what you're getting at? Well, that and and less experienced player. Yeah, I mean, it would be Rory. Yeah, but Which yeah, you're right. I, mean, I think <laughs> I think the average age of the last five or six winners has been 38, and Rory was pulling that that down at like winning at like 23 or 24 um you know he had Podrick Harrington win this event in 2008 uh, from Royal Birkdale and also played really well here at the Scottish so yeah I think you're right maturity and familiarity with those kind of conditions and that style of golf definitely plays a factor in in the Open Championship so uh, but there there are a few players in the John Deere field that I as a result of their play at the John Deere, am either more bullish or more bearish on than I was before. And, and there are also some players at the Scottish Open that, that missed the cut at the Scottish that I'm, that I'm actually still going to be on uh, for the Open, and we'll get into those picks a little bit later. But it's definitely something to look at, definitely something to consider. I just wanted to talk briefly about that. Uh, any, any final thoughts on that before we move on? No. Nah, okay. That's good. Well, I definitely want to talk a little bit for, especially for some of the new folks to PGA DFS, a little bit about the contests and the offerings that are going on on DraftKings this week. It got me thinking, you know, we, we get a lot of uh, the major championship podcasts are always our most listened to podcasts, and we appreciate everybody listening and downloading. Hopefully, if you enjoyed the show, you take just a second and leave us an iTunes review. That would be really helpful. It just takes a few minutes. It's free. We put a lot, into, a lot of work into this. We'd love for you to do that if you've not already done that. But 
we try to you know remember that there are some people playing that that don't play a lot and don't play often. Uh, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the contest offerings on DraftKings. The big deal is obviously the Millie Maker. That's what everybody's pumping. That's what everybody's talking about. Everybody's writing about. The Millie Maker's a big deal. It's $33 for an entry. There's like 10,200 entry, or uh, sorry, sorry, 100,000 something entries right into the Millie Maker. Yeah. Um, 110,000, that's what I meant to say. 110,000 entries into the Millie Maker. But here's, here's what we, we typically say this every, every major uh, event, but I want to say it again. In order to get a four figure payout, in the millimaker. So a thousand dollars. You have to finish no worse than sixty-fifth out of hundred and ten thousand people. That is a little more than the top half of a percent of that field. So you have to be better than ninety-nine point four percent of that field. Um to to just get a thousand dollars. Okay. So remember that if you're choosing to play in that contest, remember that, that your lineups, you know, if you want to play in the Millie Maker, play in it to win the thing or lose everything. That's typically the the mindset you need to go into it with. You don't need to go into it thinking, well, as long as I just double my money, I'm okay. If you do that, you're going to wind up losing all your money, more than likely, and and maybe making it back. Um, if you just want to try to double your money, don't play in that contest, play another contest, but play in the Millie maker only because you're either ready to lose all of it or you want to finish in that top 99.4%. Okay. And if you're, if you're wanting to do that, then your lineups have to have some, some, uh, you know, unique features to them, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But that's just a reminder of, you know, the Millie maker is attractive. You can win a million dollars. Yes. However, the, the the top heaviness of the payout in the Millie Maker is just absurd. So take that for what it's worth. If you play it, there you go. Maybe I just talked you out of playing it. Um, but there are some other contests that I like. In, in particular, I've had a lot of success uh, lately with these single-entry contests. And if you're a player that doesn't play a ton of volume, a ton of, uh, you know, you don't, you're not max, maxing out entries into all these contests, and you want to play some single entry? DraftKings has added some single entry contests to uh, to the week for the Open Championship. So, for example, you could spend less than a thousand dollars. Okay, and, and that that may be crazy to a lot of you, but there are single entry contests on DraftKings for one hundred fifty, one hundred fifty, twelve dollars, five dollars, and one dollar, and that's a total of three hundred and eighteen bucks. There's also some three max entries, which also you kind of lose, you know, you, you eliminate some of the edge of somebody who just buys up all the lineups. Uh, there's three max entry contests at $120, $9, $5, and $3. Uh, if you add those single entry and three max entry contests together, you paid $729. And um, I think that's kind of an interesting, an interesting play. Now, there are some higher dollar single entry contests like the Thunderdome at $5,300. Doubtful that a lot of you are listening to us playing the Thunderdome, but maybe you are. Um, I think there's a $530 single there entry. Is, yeah, there's there's another. There's a few other ones. There's like $333 dog leg or something like that. Yeah. So I was just kind of thinking like for the average Joe who's going to spend a little more money this week for the Open Championship, uh, the single entry and three max entries are some some entries I've had a lot of luck with here lately. Uh, and even FanDuel has has upped, it up, upped their game a little bit too. Um, they've got like starting at $50. 
They've got some single entry contests. Uh, 50, they have two 25s, a 12, 10, 7, 5, 2, and a couple of ones. So for 138 bucks on FanDuel, you can get in all of those single entry contests. And, and I like your odds a, a lot better of having some green screens over there and having a good week and having a profitable week. So, uh, and also there's uh, over on Fantasy Draft, you know, we would always tell you to go play the tour card. That is uh, the $25 GPP over on Fantasy Draft. And the big perk there is they, they don't take as much of your money as DraftKings and FanDuel do. It's like, I think they take 11% or something like that. Um, whereas like DK and FanDuel are taking anywhere from 14 to 17% of your money. So more money stays in the pot. It's, uh, it's a fun game over there. Picking seven golfers, you get to drop your low score. So, Which, by the way, I placed in the, in the listener league in that this week. Nice. In the fantasy draft listener league. I didn't yes. get in. I, 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 Way to go. I, I was, yeah. Good job. Um, hey, by the way, we just got an order. Again, a Hello. live order. A, a live, live order? order during the show. This is like the second time this in three weeks. This is the second weeks. time. Ooh, what is it? What is it? What did they order? All right, let's, let's go. Let's check. Okay, here we go. It was, oh, the David Tri-Blend Medium Ooh. Red. Ooh. So there you go. What's, what's, what's the guy's name? James <laughs> Naismith. No, just kidding. No. I love I love the name. Like this is my favorite part about some of the uh, <laughs> orders that we get because we get some some interesting names. Mm-hmm. James Kababa. James Kababa. <laughs> Kababa. C a b c a b a b a Kababa. Ooh, I like that. I wish my that'd be that's cool. That's a cool last name. So anyway, James. Should, should we do something for James? Yeah, I'm going to throw in a ball marker for James. Nice, nice. Throw in a ball marker. I like that. Okay. For doing that live while we're recording. Solid. Um, I'm with you. All the contests that you're talking about, though, I'm totally with you. Definitely in having more luck with the single entries and those, like, three max entry uh, lineups. You You know, you do have the $109 live PGA Championship qualifier on Fantasy Draft. On Fantasy Draft. Yeah, that's right. Which is going to be so you get? I guess you you get to go to the PGA Championship and do whatever, and we'll be there. Not for that, but we'll we'll be there. Well, you get. I think you get to go to the PGA Championship, and they you get a clubhouse pass to be in the Fantasy Draft tent on number eighteen for Saturday, and we will be there on Saturday. So if you went, if you play in the live, if you get in that qualifier um, over on Fantasy Draft, there's a chance we could uh, we we could hook up on Saturday PGA Championship. That's right. Yeah. All right, so that's just uh, some some news, some notes, some takeaways from the previous weekend, some housekeeping items that we wanted to get out of the way. Pat, I'm ready to get into the Open Championship and make some picks. Are, are you? I am. I cannot wait. And we've right. got a great guest. We've got Ash Morrison. Uh, we are going to transition to our conversation with Ash. And uh, listen, pay attention, take notes. This boy knows what he's talking about. Royal Burkdale, the Open Championship 2017. Let's do it. What's going on, golf addicts? We are ready to get into the Open Championship, Royal Burkdale. We are ready to get nitty-gritty into the course, the weather, the picks, the spades, the strategy, all of that. We have myself, we have Pat that you're, you're stuck with, and then we have brought our resident European Tour DFS expert and tour junkies, you know, 
honorary tour junkies member. He's like the, the first guy we've let in outside of me and Pat. So, Ash, you should feel pretty honored. We've got Ash Morrison on the phone tonight. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm really good. Yourself? Excellent, man. We're really thrilled to have you on. And uh, let me just say on behalf of myself and Pat and everybody else, CJ Nation, like you've just done a phenomenal job with your, your write-ups every week. You put a lot into it. We greatly appreciate it. Um, and you've been pretty nailed the last few weeks. Like you've had some really good success. Uh, and I know you had a nice little sweat for the first time, like a, a good sweat for the first time this past week, right, for the Scottish? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, Scot- the Scottish was amazing. Um yeah, a little frustrating with the, the end result, but uh, I enjoyed the sweat through the Sunday nonetheless. It was uh yeah, incredible tournament. Um hopefully a few of the readers as well did well off the back of it. But yeah, in all fantastic week. Yeah, man, I think you did a great job. I know we had some people uh tweeting out some green screens and I know myself, I had some green screens off your picks and uh went pretty well. So Looking forward to it, and I know you've put a, a ton of research into the Open. I know you've been, you, you told us, I think you texted us a couple of weeks ago or so and said that you started the Open Championship research a month ago or something like that. So this is your yeah, event, isn't yeah. it? Oh, big time, big time. I mean, this this is a big one. Um, it's what I dreamed of playing in as a kid. Um, still have those hopes still lingering now. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, for me, this is this is the big one of the year. So, yeah, a lot of effort's gone in. Um, being off caddying in qualifying events, keeping a track of the players in both professional, amateur, um, across the European Tour, Challenge Tour. Oh, it's been in depth. So, yeah, no, been been great looking into it, but hopefully all the hard work pays off. Well, man, you know, as the lower handicap tour junkies guy, um, <laughs> by a lot, obviously, yeah, <laughs> by, by by double digits. Um, talk to us about like like because I know I, I think I've alluded to it. I, I've mentioned it on the podcast a couple times that you know Pat and I kind of pride ourselves in this in this DFS talking head industry that that like we actually grew up playing golf and watching golf before DFS was a thing, and that there are a lot of people who play this play. PGA DFS and, and write about it and talk about it that have never played golf or didn't grow up playing golf or don't know a lot about golf. And I do think there's something to that, like being able to play the sport well and also having seen what good golf looks like with your own eyes or competed or, you know, being able to empathize a little more about what goes on on a golf course and you definitely being the better player um, and, and having competed at a much higher level than Pat and I could ever dream of. And, and, and we believe with you, like one of these days, you'll be uh, you'll be six thousand on DraftKings for the Open, and and we'll just be we'll be so overweight on you, it's not even funny. Um, <laughs> like, talk to us about the state of your game, and like, what's uh, w- what are you trying to accomplish over there? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, practicing hard every day um, on the range, on the putting green, um, it just doesn't stop. But um, I've taken a bit of a break from tournament players late. Obviously, I play mini tours, etc., over here in England. But um, I've decided to take a slightly different path this year. So I'm enrolling on the PGA diploma course to become a player and a coach. So um, in order to do that, I've got to meet certain requirements, including a playability test, which is upcoming for Monday. 
So, um, yeah, just a lot of prep going in for that at the moment, just to make sure I get accepted. Um, and it just gives me that little backup moving into the future. So breaking into the playing game is so, so difficult. And being that difficult, obviously, you've got to think of your future. So not giving up on the game, but definitely thinking forwards and thinking playing, coaching, and oh, anything involved in golf, really. Man, that's awesome. So, that's uh, that's really cool, man. We're proud of you, and we've uh, we've got a we've got a tour junkies head cover in route to you as we speak. I think Pat, you said today it landed in in the UK, right? I believe so. I hope it gets there sooner than later. I'd love for you to have that to rock this week on on open week. But so I got a question oh, yeah. though for you. So if, if you're going into teaching, you know, what are your what what do you think your your number one kind of teaching tool is going to be when you when you uh when you get out there with either tour players or even even the younger generation of players oh it's technology technology um to know your numbers know your spin rate um your path of of your, your club path direction um it's the way the game's moving forward it's all about the numbers now so yeah, it's uh, technology through and through. Good understanding of swing, but combining both together, really. Nice. Well, well that, that kind of te- tees it up because Pat and I want to uh, we want to give you a we want to give you a gift, uh, but we also at the same time want to tell you about it and tell the listeners about it because we actually have a promo code for some listeners to use if you're like Ash and you enjoy not just playing DFS but playing real golf. Pat and I are uh, ambassadors for this, this new device. It's a good piece of technology, Ash. You, you brought it up pretty, pretty. you teed it up for us too, and that's the, the Swing Caddy. Uh, it's the SC200. You, you guys may have heard of Swing Caddy before, but this is the newer version, and it's basically a handheld TrackMan, but for guys who can't afford a TrackMan for 20 grand. Um, I'm sure, Ash, you've probably been on a TrackMan a time or two. Oh, yeah, yeah, spent many an hour on a track, man. Um, yeah, I mean, it shows up the good, the bad, the ugly, but, yeah, you get yeah. good results off the back of it. So, yeah, loads of hours there. So the, the Swing Caddy is basically like the poor man's track, man, but it's it's pretty awesome. Like, it's like the size of an iPhone 7, and what it does is, like, you, you put it behind your ball. You, so you take it to the range, you can put it on the course if you want, but, you know, you talk about spending long days at the range and knowing your distances. The, the Swing Caddy basically does that, like, you put it behind your ball, and uh, you, you hit a shot, and it gives you your ball speed, your club head speed, your smash factor, your carry distance, your rollout distance, uh, and it's even it's even audible, so you don't have to like keep bending over and looking at the numbers or whatever. Um, so it tells you where balls are going, how far how far it's flying. Um, it's a and, and it even memorizes like your clubs and how far you hit each club. It's it's pretty cool. It's got like a practice mode. So I could see Ash out there using practice mode where um, you kind of you're on the range. I know for me when I go to the range, it's the temptation is to just walk out there and beat balls to death for 30 minutes and then walk away tired and with more bad habits than I came with. Like slowing down is a key for me on the range, and you can put this thing in practice mode and basically like you can set a distance between like 150 and 200 yards, and it will tell you audibly. It might say like. 164 yards and your goal is to try to hit the hit the ball 164 
So you, you swing, you make contact, and it reads out you know, how close you came to it. So it makes you focus. It makes you learn your distances. It makes you concentrate on what's going on and gives you some information as well. You know, it doesn't give you all of the data that a $20,000 track man gives you, but it gives you a good bit of it, and it you know, fits in your golf bag, and it makes practice a lot more, uh, a lot more meaningful, I feel like. So uh, it, there's stuff on the Golf Channel. They've got commercials run on the Golf Channel. Rick Smith, uh, a longtime teacher you're probably familiar with. I, I remember reading his articles in Golf Digest 10 years ago, but um, they're, they're, they're just rolling out with this product, and we've partnered with them, and we're going to get you one, Ash. We're going to get one to you the uk as a as a thank you for all you've done for us and uh thank you for all you've done for the listeners uh but for the listeners out there if you want a swing caddy there is a link now on our website if you go to tourjunkies.net at the very top you'll see a link up there you just click on the link and type in tour junkies all one word in the uh, promo code box when you check out this thing retails for 350 bucks with our promo code you get it for 289 so Pretty sweet deal, sixty bucks off uh, of that device. You can have it in your pocket, take it to the golf course with you. Um, so just go to the website, click on the link for junkies, all one word in the in the box, and the swing caddy can be yours, and give it a shot. So that's coming to you, Ash. We appreciate it, man, and hope your game gets uh, keeps coming around. And, and best of luck with all the the coaching and all that stuff, dude. Oh no, thank you very very much. That's um, no very very generous and very kind of you both. Thank you. Oh, well, good stuff, man. Pat, anything else to add on uh, on that or any any other questions for Ash before we get in it? No, I'm, I'm you know, speaking of numbers and stats and trackmans and all that kind of stuff, I'm ready to get into get into this week, get into Royal Burkdale. All right. Well, um, so, Ash, we know that you, like you said, you've been you've been grinding this thing out for uh, over a month now doing research ready for the open. And uh, we're just going to turn it over to you, man, if, if you want to tackle the, the course breakdown. And I know the weather is, is going to play a factor, and I know you've done a lot of digging into that, too. So we'll let you run with it. Yeah, sure, sure. So, um, yeah, of course, we're, um, we're at Royal Birkdale this, um, this week for the uh, 140th Street Open. Um, I mean, it's an spe- absolutely spectacular course. The, um, it's a true, true length course. Van dunes lining every fairway hot bunkering everywhere um, and over the last month the more I've got to study this course the more I've fallen in love with it it's really intelligent design um, you, you've probably heard a lot of talk about very flat fairways in comparison to other courses but it's still very very tough to find the fairway and looming at either side deep, thick, rough, very clingy um, a bit of a lottery as to what kind of light you get there are sparse patches but um, yeah, as Lynx Golf should be, there's plenty of luck involved, good and bad. And the biggest factor, of course, will be the weather. So, um, but heading back to the course, um, we've got a past 70 on offer, um, measuring 7,156 yards. Only two par fives on the course, and both of those featuring in the back nine. So, in my opinion, par four scoring is going to take a big premium this week. Um, as is accuracy, um, temperament, and something I always look into is that that kind of calmness under pressure. So, Burkdale is going to offer exactly those kind of requirements. It's an open venue, 
and with the RNA, as always, with any open venue, they thoroughly want to test every aspect of the game, be that driving, approach, scrambling, passing, every element will be tested and enhanced again by, by the weather conditions. So, yeah, Royal Birkdale. Um, I mean, yeah, steeped in absolutely tons of history. Um, last time round, we had Padraig Harrington winning in 2008, with Poulter coming a very close second. Um, over the years, things have changed, in particular technology, the golf ball. So, yeah, I think we're going to see a very, very different event this time round. Maybe not to the kind of spectacular things that we saw from Spenson and Nicholson last year, but still, I think we're going to have a very dramatic and exciting tournament in, on our hands. So, yeah, it's um, one I've looked forward to for a very long time. I've got notes upon notes about each single hole, the way it's going to play, um, how it will be affected by the weather. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you've got any questions or anything about anything, then now's the time to certainly ask. Do, do you, do, when you say you think it's going to be different from 08, do you mean in regards to scoring? Like, do you, do you think, because I think Padraig won at, what, three over? Uh, and I oh, know yeah. the cut line was like 10 over. Are, are you referring to scoring? How do you think it's going to play uh, in comparison to, to 08 when it comes to scoring? Oh, I think scoring is going to be a lot easier. Um, okay. I think we're prob- probably looking more closer to the whether it'll get into double digits, I don't know. But in my opinion, I think this year conditions are going to allow for it to, to creep close for that, maybe seven, eight, nine under. Okay. That's um, much different, I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I, 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 just I, I, honestly I, think... Yeah, I was just going to say, I honestly think technology's moved on such a long way in the game. So compared to um, back when Padre Harrington won, um, in particular, the golf ball's changed a lot, so there's a massive advantage to, to players. Conditions are going to be very different from back then, and conditioning, of course, is going to be even better than it was previously. I, I got a question about the greens, Ash. I mean, what is what are the greens like? From what I hear, you know, the complex of the greens is not exactly too difficult. So, you, you know, your putters that or guys out there that might not be the greatest of putters can still have, you know, a pretty good chance here. So talk a little bit about the, the greens on the, on this course. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've obviously got subtle breaks and um, there's contouring throughout. Um, yeah, definitely not as harsh as other courses. So in comparison to maybe the likes of Royal St. George's, it's fairly comparable. So, um, yeah... <laughs> In all honesty, I don't think you essentially need to be a fantastic puffer to win here or to be successful. I think hitting fairways, hitting greens, bogey avoidance, but um, like with any of these pros, there's a good reason why they got to the top of their game, and that's partially and will always come from a hot puffer. So all of them are very, very capable. Yes, some more consistent than others, but in terms of a tournament like this, it's anyone's game, really. You know, I, I looked at um, at the number of birdies in 2008. You had only 14 players in the entire field had 10 or more birdies that week, which is not something that we've seen in, in uh, basically all year. <laughs> uh, I mean, we didn't we didn't see that at the U.S. Open even, and we thought that was going to be difficult. But yeah, guys, just 
pillage that golf course. So, I mean, if is bogey avoidance that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that it's not. I'm just saying like is bogey. I've seen a couple other people chat up bogey avoidance. Is bogey avoidance really going to be that? I mean, I know always you want to avoid bogeys, but it's almost like there's usually those tournaments where I either want to, I either want to go birdie or better percentage when it's going to be a scoring fest, or I just want to go bogey avoidance if I feel like it's going to be a pretty difficult course and, you know, the cut line is going to be in, in plus numbers. So, I mean, do you still think that uh, with, with this many guys being able to go low, I mean, you don't really want guys who are, are just par makers, right? Like you still, you still need some guys who are going to be aggressive at, at certain points on the golf course, or do you think they're just, they just got to be cautious the whole way around? Um, you know, it, it's so tough to call. It, it, not often is it hard to call it this late on in for the week, but um, the venue itself and its location it just offers up so many variabilities. So if the course starts to play a lot harder than what's predicted, then yeah, of course I want guys with bogey avoidance. However, if it plays a little bit similar to what happened up in Scotland and equally in Northern Ireland, then yeah, scoring 30 or better, um, yeah, you've got to take that into consideration and certainly want aggressive golf. So um, DraftKings and, and fantasy golf lends its, its favour towards scoring. So, yeah, of course totally, I want those yeah. guys in there. But if it's going to come down to placement, then, yeah, I want someone fairly steady, um, going to take chances, be patient. Um, and if, in my opinion, in an event like this, space of mind is so, so big. So avoiding those bogeys keeps you in a better frame of mind and keeps you progressing forward in the tournament. Sure. So talk to us about the wind, the weather, and the uh, the tea time wave that you're looking at right now. Okay, so the weather, I mean, it's changing almost by the hour. Every single time yeah. I check it, the wind direction's moved again. Um, <laughs> the intensity of rain and wind, um, that seems to be changing, especially on the Friday. So... Um, it's going to be one of those that I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on over the next couple of days, uh, posting on Twitter any updates I get, and leading right up to the very last minute. Um, it's going to be a huge factor that's going to influence what I do in my drafts, and no doubt that's going to be the same for many others as well. So, yeah, it's something to keep a, a, a real good eye on. Um, but as it stands at the moment... Um, yeah, fairly even conditions on the Thursday. Moving into the Friday, there is rain predicted, but now it's moved to rain throughout the day. And once again, a pretty steady balance between the entire field, really. What's the what's the wind looking to do Thursday and Friday? Like as far as how how much wind? I mean, I know directions probably changing, but what what are you, what's the sense on the wind right now? Yeah, so in terms of Lynx conditions, it's 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 not as windy as it possibly could be. So we're looking at um, an average wind speed probably around about 10, 11 mile an hour, um, gusting up into about 20, 25. But most of that tends to come around about midday, I would say, for most days. So the tendency is normally to get a, a relatively mild morning. Um, 
the winds to pick up in the afternoon, and then for it to die down again back into the, the late evening. So um, that's just the traditional way that it will play. As to what will happen in the next couple of days, we've even got an unpredicted uh, thunderstorm passing through. Um, in fact, that'll be on Wednesday. So that's going to soften up the course and potentially change conditions in its own right. Ash, let me let me ask you, you know, just from a weather standpoint, and, and just it, it just interests me that what what is really the, I guess the I'm not asking you to be a weather expert here, but what's the cause behind why the weather changes so much on courses like this? I mean, just is it being on the coast and you just never know what's going to happen? I mean, what what is you know, is there any way to I guess? get a better idea of what you think is going to happen, you know, this early in the week so that we can have the best, you know, I guess, information possible. And on top of that, I want to ask, do you have a particular site or something that you look at uh, that our listeners could go to uh, to look at weather, um, you know, right up until, you know, before they're going to set their lineup? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, first of all, the, the site that I tend to use, um, yeah, local sites and national sites. I mean, the, the most reliable, or the, the one that tends to be the most reliable is Met Office, M-E-D Office, which is our government website for, for weather. So that one's always worth a look at. It gives you hourly reports for the, the upcoming day, so you'll get a great insight into Thursday, great insight into Friday. But then I would basically correlate and check those against several other sites and just try to pick up more of a tendency. I think for most of them, it tends to be a lot of guesswork, just as we do. But, um, yeah, I'd certainly use Met Office and maybe the BBC, obviously a popular one, easy to look through. So, But I don't tend to use any kind of golf-related sites. I'll tend to do my own research on that front, map out the course, the wind direction, have an understanding of its usual prevailing wind, um, and then try to marry that up with tea times and, and work from there, really. Nice. Well, we appreciate the breakdown. I mean, I think it's definitely worth, if you're playing any significant amount of money this week in DraftKings or wherever you're playing, it's, it's, if you're in the U.S., it's probably worth setting an alarm getting up uh, at least 30 minutes or so before the first group goes off, checking to make sure there's no withdrawals or last-minute issues, and definitely uh, follow Ash on Twitter. It's Ashley Morrison. Two R's, two S's, right? That's right. Yep, yep. Yep, at Ashley Morrison on Twitter, um, and we'll be sure to, to check that out. I mean, Ashley, I, I'm not going to lie. I might, I might call you uh, right before. <laughs> Just be like, hey, man. Yeah, feel free. <laughs> Let's... Uh, uh, my, my wife will be like, what is happening right now? And then I'll just roll over and be like, I'm talking to Ashley. And she'll be like, who? <laughs> um, so anyway. Uh, all right, let's get into this. I want to talk some stats. I think I think Ash kind of hit on his. Uh, you know, you're looking at accuracy stuff. You're looking at temperament. You're looking at guys who can, who can uh, you know, get hot with the putter. Birdie or better, I'm leaning that way myself. I'm definitely looking at. Guys who are gaining strokes off the tee, and and uh, if we if we refer to Fantasy National and, and we look at the the stats there, uh, the good drive percentage is another one of my favorite new stats right now. But just ball strikers in general, I think anytime we have a windy 
you know, potentially windy golf course. Just guys who hit the ball flush every time uh, as, as much as possible to me are, are the ones that are going to have the best chance of getting the distance right. So let's get into it. I mean, the, the first question is, you know, what to do with the big four that are at the top? Because, you know, I mean, it seems like you can find something wrong with all four of them right now, which is, is kind of weird. I mean, DJ hasn't really been the same since the Masters. He's been okay, but he hasn't been as dominant as he was prior to the Masters, although he's got a phenomenal record in the last five years or so at the Open. Beef is, seems to be coming around, and it seems like a course that would fit him very well. Um, but, but form's still a little questionable, obviously John Rahm winning two weeks ago. Um, uh, but, but I think you could easily point to Rahm when you talk about temperament and say, I'm not sure he's there yet. Um, and then you got Rory who just can't seem to find his game whatsoever, but you feel like he's always close. And if he finds it, he could, he could run away with it. So I think that's kind of that first tier from the 12,000 to $11,000 range. So Ash, I'll start with you. Uh, are you playing any of these guys? And if so, who and to what exposure? Or are you basically going to fade the whole group? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm so tempted to fade the whole group. But um, if there's anyone I'm going to play, it's John Rump. Um I just don't like Dustin Johnson at the moment. I, don't, I haven't seen enough good form recently, like you said, from the Masters. I think Jordan Spieth's going to be massively overowned. Um, yeah, cool fit. Everything else seems perfect. However, there's question marks on his puppy and it's dropping in and out. So, and then there's Rory. Since the equipment changed, just not the same player. Um, all three of those guys could turn it around in a heartbeat. But um, the one player that I'd probably want to take a gamble on, and that's exactly what it would be, is John Rahm. Even though the temperament is is definitely in question, right? Like, I mean, don't don't you oh, think yeah. that's the big thing with him? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, well, I think in his case, I think if it's enhanced in the right way, a bit like what we used to see from the days of Tiger, um, it it can add as a positive. And if it works yeah. for him, then then he could run away with anything. He's got that incredible talent and. We've not even seen half of what he's capable of yet. So, um, yeah, I think the the Open can throw out a surprise, and maybe we could see that in John Rahm with a with a walk away win. So Rahm is Ash's play in that first four. If he's playing anybody, uh, Pat, what about what about you? Anything different? Uh, you know, for me, I, I'm pretty much inclined to actually fade this top four, but Rory is interesting, and, and I kind of want to get a little more take from Ash on, on Rory, because you know, he checks a lot of boxes from the stat categories, as far as you know, except for putting, but you know, I talked about earlier, where I don't think these greens are greens where you have to be you know, they're not terribly undulating or anything else, where you have to be just a fantastic putter, so I'm just wondering, you know, especially for the Millie Maker or GPP, you know, he, he's probably going to have the lowest ownership you've ever seen from Rory in a major. So I, there's a part of me that really, I think I'm, I am going to have him at least some exposure to him. So, you know, kind of, I guess, talk me off the ledge there, Ash, if you think I shouldn't. 
No, I, I can understand the tactic. I really can. <clears throat> like I said, he could. I mean, he could pop at any time. He's in one of the world's best. Um, the struggles with Pasta are so evident at the moment. He's striking the ball incredibly well. Off the tee, looks incredible. Um, into the green, not as sharp as of yesteryear, but that's so close. How quick he's going to adapt into the new path that he's moved into. He's chopping and changing all the time. And that only tells me the confidence is low. And when we're looking at fine measures, then do I really want to take a gamble on Rory? It's, it's just maybe too big a gamble for me. But for others, I can certainly understand the tactic. And yeah, although I'm avoiding him, it could pay off. Well, like we said, you got to plant a flag, and and it it is tough to avoid a lot of guys in this field because it's a fantastic field. So you just you gotta you gotta know that going in that that's what's going to happen. I, I, one of the things we're going to do tonight is look over FanshareSports.com and and look at some ownership and some. Uh, you you guys have heard us talk about Fanshare before. They do all the curating. They listen to every podcast. They read every article about PGA DFS. Who everybody's talking about, and they assign tags to those players to tell you who's getting talked up. So um, when I look at that, I want to look at that for some of these, these segments that we're going to talk about um, to give us an idea of ownership. Now, we're recording this on Monday night, um, well, Monday night over here on, in, in the U.S. Uh, for Ash, it's actually early Tuesday morning. <laughs> but uh, but it's, it's late Monday night here in the U.S., and it'll give us an idea. There's already been a lot of content put out for the Open but definitely something to check the closer we get to teeing off on Wednesday. So currently, uh, when you look at these four, Fanshare has uh, the most popular guy being Jordan Spieth, who is exactly what Ash said. He thinks Spieth will be overwhelmingly owned. Uh, after that is John Rahm, then Rory, then actually DJ. So for me, it's a fade on the whole group. I, I'm just not, not going to have lineups with them. Um, I definitely think you can make some nice lineups with them. I think there's plenty of value down at the bottom to be able to make some lineups with them, so I'm not mad at you if you do. But for me, I'm just fading them. If I were going to play any of them, based on what Fanshare is saying, I don't know why you just wouldn't you wouldn't roll with DJ. I mean, you, you take the guy who's going to be the lowest owned. He can always club down with some of these clubs and uh, find more fairways if necessary. And I feel like between Rory's putting woes, Rom's temperament, Jordan's high ownership, I think I'd rather have the temperament of DJ and the low ownership, and I'll pay up for it. So uh, that's, now, that's I love, one interesting I, take. I love the fans here site, but I will say that, you know, I'll make a bet with you right now that, that Rory will be lower owned than DJ in the Millie Maker. Uh, okay, we can work on that. What was our other bet we were going to do? What was the bet? We talked about a bet last night. What was the bet? You remember? I, I don't remember. <laughs> of course you don't. We have so many bets out there, David. Um, okay, what about what about the uh let, let's let's go down a little bit. So you got Sergio, Rose, Jason Day. Obviously Sergio is gonna be extremely popular. In fact, on Fanshare, he is the most popular in the five digit range. So from uh from Day all the way up to DJ, Sergio is is clearly number one. Rose is actually the third one after Jordan, so you know, Sergio is the ball striker. You got Rosie from England, though. It's a it's a home game for him. What do you uh, What do you think, Pat, about the the Sergio Rose and Jason Day? First of all, I guess the easy question is: Are you going to have any Jason Day? 
I, I'm not going to have any Jason Day right now. I just neither I just is anybody else. It. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I just again, there's not there's not a whole lot of of reason to take him, and I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, he he had obviously the situation that that's bad with his mother with with the cancer and all that kind of stuff. So I just don't know what's going on with his you know game and and where he's at right now. So I, I just can't you know see myself playing him. I you know, even though Sergio is being talked of the most, he's probably my top player here. Uh, obviously, took the got the money monkey off his back uh, with the Masters. He is a definite ball striker. Everybody knows that. I mean, that's that's what he does the best. This is a course where I believe he can play well on. Uh, so I think for Sergio, I mean, you mentioned earlier too a cash play. Uh, I think he is a very solid cash play this week, and I'll have him in the Millie Maker lineups as well. But of this group, you know, under Rory, Sergio is going to be my my top play here. What about you, Ash? Um, yes. Yeah, so, although I would want to go with Sergio, um, ball striker. I mean, he's probably the best ball striker out there. But for me, Justin Rhodes actually. Um, yeah, on home soil, um, he's got fond memories of Birkdale. It's a cool fit that's perfect for him. And I think he plays just a little bit more of that percentage golf. It's about keeping the ball in play, finding the target. Sergio's a little bit more prone to taking the gambles. So, yeah, I think come Sunday, I'd rather have Justin Rose in this particular event. Obviously, that didn't pay off in the Masters. But, yeah, for the Open, I think um, I'd favour favor Rose. Any any concern over a slightly higher ball flight with Justin Rose? Um, no, no. Um, Justin Rose, yeah, he, he's a higher ball flight than Sergio. Um, it, his peak apex is quite high, but as you mentioned earlier on, ball striking, I mean, he hits the ball so pure. So yeah. if he wants to, there's very, very little deviation. And even with that high flight, again, with the modern ball, um, the flight can stay very true and he can keep control of it. So, yeah, no concerns there. And once again, very adaptable, fantastic links record, um, lots of experience. So he knows how to tackle these courses just as well as anyone else in the field. Well, I'm actually going to make this easy. I'm fading all three. I'm, I'm Like I said, I'm planting a flag and uh, I'm, not, I'm basically not playing anyone in the five-digit range. I do... I do like Sergio a lot, but I think he's getting so much chatter. I'm going to have to be, I mean, I, I could easily see him being top three highest owned guy in the field. If, you know, if his ownership is 35, like 30 to 35%, I mean, I, which it feels like it could get there. He's just super popular, you know, coming off the green jacket, coming off of, uh, you know, the, the tour that he's done with that green jacket. I, I don't know. I could see a little, Slight letdown here for Sergio, but um, it, it's really more of an ownership play, and it's the fact that some guys in the nine and eight K range, I just want to load up on. I'd, lo- I'd love to have four of them on my rosters at, at, for the most part. So I don't hate the Sergio call, but I, I'm I'm gonna plant a flag and, and not play any of these guys over ten K. So that's uh, that's that's just me though. Any any thoughts on that, Pat? You gotta you gotta comment on that, or are you good? No, I mean I'm okay with that. I, I get what you're where you're going. So that means that now you're going to have to be the one that starts us in the nine K range because <laughs> this is obviously your favorite range. So let's well uh, nine and eight, nine and eight K range. Yeah. 
Well, um, okay. I mean, you know, let's just start where everybody's. Ricky Fowler is the travesty of DraftKings pricing for the week. I mean, it's the same odds as Rory to win. Uh, yeah. Exact same odds as Rory to win, but $1,800 less. He is one of the most undervalued prices I've ever seen on DraftKings, which is going to make him super popular. He's also everybody's absolute, you know, everyone's pulling for, for, for Fowler to get this done. You know, will I have if I play? You know, in my Millie Maker lineups, will I have Ricky? Probably not. If I play in some smaller GPPs, probably will. Any cash games? If you don't lock Ricky Fowler in, you're going to lose. Um, I mean, he's going to be over fifty percent owned, and if he is, then you're if and he misses a cut, you're still okay. So if your cash lineups don't start with Fowler, you're not doing things right. Uh, but I, I, I like him. I tell you, uh, I really like what I saw out of Henrik Stenson at the Scottish. The Stenson at 9,600 is one of my favorite in the last five years here. He's made four out of four cuts with two top 25s. Um, I, I, I like where his game is at. I like how he played at the, at the Scottish. I, I, you know, I could see a slight letdown just being the champion golfer of the year and, and defending the way he has, but I like where the game's coming around and, and, we mentioned ball striker. He always goes a little bit lower owned. He might not this year just because he's the defending champ, but people are a little hesitant to take Stenson because he's always a, you know, a case of withdrawing or he's a, he's kind of can be a head case from time to time. And I know a lot of people are going to be on Fleetwood. I, I'm, I love Tommy Fleetwood, but I'm not playing him this week. I think he's, uh, I, I think he's getting a little, the hype has gone too far. The Fleetwood hype train has gone way too far for me. Like, I think he's a great player. I love watching the guy play. Tremendous head of lettuce on that guy. But <laughs> he, he's, a, he's a hometown boy. I know everybody's pulling for $9,800 is stupid. Like, to me, that, that makes him a little too overvalued and, and could see a lot of pressure falling on Fleetwood for that reason. So, Denson, Matsuyama, and Fowler in the 9K range, I like a lot. I like Matsuyama as well played uh, played four opens in the last five years, making three cuts, the two top twenty fives. Obviously in in good form here lately. Another just pure ball striker. Like I said, I mean my strategy is to load up on guys in the nine and eight k range to have at least four of them on my rosters and then drop down. So you know there's going to be lineups I have with Benson, Matsuyama, and Fowler in them. You can you can do it because of the the pricing on drafting this week. So those are three guys in the nine k for me. Um, what about you, Ash? You got you got a comment on Fleetwood? Oh yeah, yeah. No, um, Fleetwood. Yeah, I mean, if, even if you ignore um, that he's a local lad, but um, he knows the course fantastically well, then I, I'm so hard to ignore his form. The the guy's yeah, unreal at the moment. The he's, form is unreal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's in such a good place at the moment. Every time he's interviewed, he's putting off. A, Exactly the right kind of persona. He he's confident. He he's up for the challenge. So as he kind of broke through in the states earlier on this year and started to make a bit more of a name for himself, he's just gone on from leaps and bounds. So yeah, I'm kind of all for the positions in at the moment. The the course he's going to be playing. Um, yeah, I'm I'm playing quite a bit of Fleetwood. I think his ownership's going to be high, but I'd rather have him in my team. And see him finish in that top five than than not having him the thing. 
All right, Pat, what about you? Well, on Fleetwood, I mean, I'm I'm with Ash. I mean, I think, you know, another thing you could probably, if you want to, I guess, you know, it. I think he might be lower owned than maybe he, sh- he should be because at 9,800, I think a lot of people are going to look right around him and see Stinson, Matsuyama, Fowler, you know, Day just above him and Rose and, and probably, you know, maybe think, well, well, that's just too expensive for a guy named, named Tommy Fleetwood who they, you know, may not know a whole lot about, but uh, you look at recent form, it's, it's just fantastic lately. Um, I actually did, even though the European Tour website pretty much sucks, I did look at a few stats over there and, you know, just on, on tour there, he checks a box on par four scoring. Also, greens and regulation, uh, ball striking. I mean, the guy's just been playing incredible. So I don't see a way that you can really avoid him. And, and so I like him either in GPPs or cash. So I'm with Ash. I think you, you got to look at Fleetwood this week. Um, I think for me, though, other than Fowler, I'm really liking Hideki. Um, you know, I talked about before where I don't think you have to be a fantastic putter. That's always his weakness. Uh, but everything else about his game is, is just right on point. He showed that at the U.S. Open on the final day and, and for the whole week. I mean, just played fantastic. So Hideki, for me, is probably going to be, you know, other than Fleetwood my and Fowler, really, my top play here. So there you go. Ash, any other plays in the 9K range? I didn't ask you that. Yeah, um, obviously Fowler. Um, again, form. Um, places in at the moment and yeah I think everyone's kind of rooting expecting them to do well so yeah it's another one of those plays I mean it's a tough call with Fowler and Fleetwood but I like both of them did well before the tournament and I've just got to roll with them they're, they're two of my top picks so yeah again rather have them in my drafts than, than not What do you um, Pat what do you think of Brooks Kepka? What do you think What's the expectation for Brooks after the U.S. Open, and where do you think his ownership is going to be? Uh, I think that that Brooks is is probably going to be in that maybe ten to fifteen percent range. I, I don't think that you know t- people typically tend to fade guys that are coming off of a a huge win, and you know he's obviously known as a bomber. And was able to really just bomb it around, uh, you know, Aaron Hills. That just really was was kind of ended up being a weak course. Whereas this course is setting up a little bit different. I just don't think it sets up any way similar at all to what you would, you know, typically see in like a U.S. Open. So I'm going to fade Brooks. I don't really have any reason that I think I should play him. Um, you know, he does. If you're looking at just course, not course history, but history in the in the open championship he's had uh three starts he's missed the cut the first time at muirfield a 67th place finish at liverpool and then at st andrews he shot he was in the in in tenth. but i think st andrews is more of a course where if you do bomb it around the course you can you can play well so for me brooks kepka just isn't isn't gonna be on my my list to play i'm gonna fade him this week Completely agree. I went back and did some digging uh, at the Open in the last five years. Obviously, different venues. Totally get that. But just looking at guys and how they performed at the Open in the last five years, of guys who have played in at least three Opens in the last five years, Fleetwood and Brooks Kepka rank in the top 
15 in worst strokes gain total numbers in the last five years. I just think uh, th- that's the thing with Fleetwood. I-, I feel like give me a chalky Fleetwood who's already overpriced, who has a ton of pressure, um, and hasn't really shown up in the open is where I feel like I can fade and kind of get that edge. And, and like I said, it's a contrarian play. I said in the beginning, there's three ways to be contrarian. I think that's one of them this week is with Fleetwood, just because uh, you can't ignore the form, like Ash said. I mean, would it surprise me if Fleetwood comes out and wins this thing? Absolutely not. Like, I, I think he has that kind of upside. I think Tommy Fleetwood has enough game to win the Open. Um, you know, so much less the top 10, but, you know, I, I just think all, all other things considered, aside from recent form, it, it's not really in his favor. If you look at fan share, uh, Ricky Fowler and Tommy Fleetwood are tied for the most chatter thus far here on Monday night of any player in the field, much less the 9K range. It uh, looks like Fowler's getting a lot more, a lot more calls to, to start than Fleetwood. Um, but in the 9K range, it looks like the uh, the popular play is going to be Fowler, Fleetwood, then Hideki, and actually Stinson is a is a ways down there. So people just don't trust Henrik Stinson still, which I I like because uh, I'll, I'll have a ton of Henrik Stinson. That'll be that'll be a little scary, but that's me. And yeah, that's I, yeah, I didn't range. mention Stinson earlier, but I, I do think um, there is definite reason to play him this week. Um, Ash, I'd, I'd kind of be interested to hear your thoughts on Stinson and, you know, just coming off of last week and, you know, being the defending champ. I mean, what are your thoughts on, on playing a guy like that? And he's obviously a, you know, driving accuracy guy. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, off the tee, I mean, Stenson's incredible. So, yeah, he's been starting to show signs of sparking and getting close to the, the Stenson that we know and the Stenson of last year. It's this sort of time of year that he gets things underway. He starts to hit a lot of better form. So, like he did last year, there's no reason why it couldn't be this week. Um, another player that I certainly don't mind drafting at all, he's, um, when I watched him play at Wentworth, he was very close to that, that, that incredible, incredible form. So, um, and in a good place as well, you start to see the, the comedy come back out from him again. Um, is very open with the fans. Um, looks a lot happier with his game. There's there's parts that are wrong, but yeah, a week like this could be exactly what he needs. So yeah, certainly no problems with drafting Stenson. I mean, he's had five of his last rounds, last eight rounds in the sixties. Um, you know, he was horrible in the beginning of the year up up until he missed the cut of the Masters, and he came out of the players with a sixteenth, a, a third at Wentworth. Uh, as you mentioned, um, and then he's had a top 10 since then. So, yeah, I mean, I like the low ownership. I like the uh, the ball striking ability. I like that, that precious three wood he's got to keep him in the fairway and in the short grass. So he's my play. Obviously, I also like a lot of guys in the AK range, so I'll get us started there. I am buying Phil Mickelson. I mean, as much as open championship courses should not set up well for his style of play, his erratic game. Phil Mickelson just has played lights out at the Open uh, in recent history. Made four of his last five cuts with four top 25s every time he's made the cut. He's obviously in good form. He's been playing well all year. He's been playing well. Uh, He's just really been consistent, not missed a cut all year. And 
I just uh, I'm buying it. I think he I think he'll he'll be amped to get back into the major championship atmosphere after he had to drop out of the U.S. Open for his daughter's graduation. Uh, his brother on the back. I don't think will make that much of a difference. Still knows what he's doing, and not a lot of people are talking about him. And, and most people that are talking about him aren't talking about playing it. So I think another another ownership edge on a guy. You know, Pat, you mentioned an older guy, more experienced guy who you know, has proven himself around the open championship venues like he has. He's got a short game that can be imaginative if necessary. Um, and scrambling, I love Phil Mickelson. Hard not to like Adam Scott at 8,500, another just absolute stud at open championship venues. Five out of the last five cuts in the last five years with four top 25. Adam Scott, I mean, you talk ball striking, uh, it's, that's, that's what he does. Uh, you know, in decent form, he finished 35th. The Scottish, not not fantastic. He had a rough Saturday, um, but I like I like Adam Scott as well. Um, I'm also a fan of Paul Casey, who is not a great Open Championship player. He doesn't have the best track track record here, but um, obviously from from England, uh, and I just feel like he's a slightly different player lately. He's He's in good form. He's played tremendously this year. I mean, three top tens, twelve out of thirteen cuts. I know he's a good ball striker. I'm not. I think he's a pretty low ball hitter as well. Maybe Ash knows a little bit more about uh, about that. But I'm liking Paul Casey and I'm liking Brandon Grace. So I, I thought you know you guys knew I was going to name a lot of players in these ranges. But these are my guys. Uh, I'm never on Brandon Grace, but I'm actually on Brandon Grace for eight thousand. I think that's a steal. He's clearly proven himself as a links player. Fifteenth uh, at the Scottish last week after a uh, kind of a a, a weird Thursday round uh, came out and, and fired a sixty-seven and sixty-eight to finish fifteenth. Uh, I, I like Grace. I like the ball flight. I like um, I like what he's doing. I like South Africans at this venue at eight thousand. That's uh, that's my last guy in this in this category. Uh, Pat, what what about you? Anything different? Yeah, I, I actually am, am totally with you on Nicholson. I think um, he's just not getting you talked are. up you're, enough. You're playing Phil. Yeah, I do like him. I okay, mean, like literally no one is talking about Phil. Well, and that's fine with me because at 8,700, yeah, you're getting too. a guy yeah. who's, who's experienced, which I talked about before. Um, you've got to have that on this course, and I think uh, in this championship, um, you know, he's got a great short game. You know, driving accuracy is not his forte. But here's the thing, you know, one of the things I looked at tonight was I was actually watching the golf channel and they were talking about how if you, if you get lucky and you throw it, you know, you may hit a drive, an errant drive, actually they cut down where the spectators are walking. So he tends to hit it, if he's going to hit it somewhere out of bounds, or not out of bounds, <laughs> he's gonna hit, he, he likes to hit spectators. Well, if that happens, it's going to be, you know, where they, they down. cut it down yeah. a little bit. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, that's I, I like kinda, that's my kind of game too. Yeah, that's some in-depth research right there. That is where they're cut, where they're cutting down for the spectators. But again, I, I do like him this week, Adam Scott. I'm with you. I like him at 8,500. Uh, a great open history, kind of sneaky here. So I think you know he's he's you know checks the box for me on bo- bogey avoidance and ball striking. So Scott is another guy. You didn't mention Louis Eustazen, who I thought you were going to mention. Um, I think I think at eighty three hundred, he's a sneaky good play. Uh, I think he's a guy that people are going to 
be off of this week for whatever reason it is. They never like to play him, uh, but he plays this this tournament well in general. He's obviously a, a former winner here. Uh, good driver of the ball. So Louis Oosthuizen at 8,300 is, is probably going to be um, – I'm going to play him heavily, and I'm totally with you on Casey for all the reasons you said. How about well, you, Ash? What do you, what do you think? Louis not a former winner at Burkdale. He's a former Open Championship winner, just to clarify. Well, that's what I said. I don't, I don't, well, you said former winner here. That's what you said. Well, at the Open Championship, but that, you know, again, they're all playing. They're again? Playing. Shut up. Let's get out of that take now. What do you got? <laughs> yeah, so I, actually, funny enough, I'm with you both with Phil Mickelson. So, um, nice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, all right, hey, four junkies, guys, guys, hand, hands in right now, hands in. Everybody say Phil. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Poor Ash, man. We're this guy is like what? What? What is it right now? It's like three fifteen in the morning right now. Yeah, yeah, three fifteen. The you're such the a, you're off. such a stud. <laughs> the birds are asleep. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah, they're not up yet, but I am. So, oh God. You're up talking to these two idiots, these two rednecks from Georgia talking about golf. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Uh AK range. You like Phil. Awesome. Yes, yeah, so Phil. Yeah. Um I think again, um yeah, slightly different reasons though. I think Phil when he has to actually sort of reel in the driver a little bit, I think that's when he plays his best. So but that's the kind of course where he's got a shoot in that swing. Um, he's not going to be looking to bomb it and keep up with the likes of the DJ, etc. and Rory. He's he's going to be looking for fairways, greens, and using his short game to his advantage. So, And the shape that he hits, I think it's perfect for the layout of the course. I think a lot of the holes work in his favour. So, yeah, I think Lefty can do well. Um, also, completely agree with Paul Casey. Ultimate ball striker. Um, I know from um, I'm actually good friends with um, a professional where Paul Casey's a member and he does a lot of his practice. So I was chatting to him the other day, and Paul Casey's been working on lowering ball flight. Um, he's absolutely striking the ball. So yeah, he's another player that he's nice. worth keeping an eye on. So yeah, from what I'm hearing, he's particularly very, very happy with his game right now. So um and working on the right element. So another player I've got to play based on that. Um outside of Paul Casey, for me I think I I am not sure if it's a GPP play, but um the player I'm probably most interested in is Usterhausen. Um ten out of ten cups, always solid, probably one of the best swings in the game. He's Bogey avoidance will be fantastic. So, if conditions get a little bit tough, good ball flight. Um, I think just a good, solid open pick doesn't matter on the venue. I think he's got that course management. So, yeah, yeah, he's another player that I'm, I'm quite interested in. Well, so shocking enough, um, when you look, when you go back to fan share and we look at ownership and uh, and, and tag, the most tagged player right now is Louis Ustase, which uh, you know, Pat, you mentioned uh, a lot of people most of the time don't talk him up and are afraid to play him. 
but it looks like that that tide could be shifting as as he's already getting chatted up a little bit. Uh, as it pertains to the AK range, is uh, what Fanshire has right now as far as tags to start are Louis Ustazen, Brandon Grace, Paul Casey, Adam Scott, Pharrell Hatton, uh, and then Phil in the in the 8K range, and then Peters and Justin Thomas. So, interestingly enough, that Phil, of all the guys we mentioned, is the the lowest projected owned guy, and Louis is the is the first. I mean. So it's interesting, interesting numbers there so far from FanshareSports.com. You definitely want to check them out, though, on Wednesday as we get closer to it. Probably, uh, you know, I mentioned that Louie was kind of a fade for me this week, but only because there's so many other guys in this AK range, and I can't pick them all, so I'm just planting a flag there. But definitely interesting to see. I'm shocked that his ownership numbers are higher than Adam Scott. Like, I feel like Adam Scott... Going back to cash lineups, like if if Fowler and Adam Scott don't start your cash lineup, to me that's ridiculous. And we'll get into cash lineups a little later, but I just think that uh, that that Scott is clearly the the most undervalued player in this group. If you look at it, I mean he's got the same odds to win as Jason Day, fifteen hundred dollars left. Going to Paul Casey, Paul Casey same odds to win as Brooks Kepka, but nine hundred dollars less. So just some definitely undervalued guys in the 8K range being Adam Scott and Paul Casey. I'm glad to know that, uh, that Ash, you have a little inside info on, on Paul. That, that makes me feel good. I mean, cause he's really a guy who doesn't play as well as you think he would play in open, but it does seem like the Paul Casey we've seen in the last year to 18 months is a different Paul Casey and could easily, I mean, I, I feel like Paul Casey has the game and the mentality to come out and win this golf tournament. Um, he hasn't done it in ever, but I think he could. I think he's got the skill. Um, and at eighty one hundred, you just you know, if you finish top five, top ten, that's that's good stuff. Um, yeah, are we Paul, ready to get? Go ahead. Yeah, I was just just going to say very quickly with Paul Casey. Um, I mean, over the last eighteen months, he's he, he's changed his game quite dramatically. Quite a few swing changes in there, so. Yeah, I think past open form is something that we can almost almost put to one side, and it's more about his current form and and what he's doing right now with his game. So, yeah, I'm hearing a lot of good things. So, someone I'm I'm definitely waking quite a bit. Good stuff. I mean, that, that's that's the edge that Ash brings. I mean, you, you know, I didn't I didn't really spend a lot of time on it, but you know, you talking to the guy who's at his home course, and then you mentioned it earlier, I don't know if a lot of people caught it, but you caddied in the in the qualifier event a couple of weeks ago, and that's when you picked up your Matthew Southgate uh, info. I know you yeah. wrote about it. You talked, uh, you talked to him, felt like his game was coming around. You wrote him up the very next week. He was like 1% owned, and he finished third. I mean, this is the edge that you bring being over there and being in the middle of all of it, whereas, you know, let's, let's be honest, guys in Georgia aren't really hearing a whole lot about Paul Casey's practice regimen. So it's, it's good to have you on this side, and, and if people aren't reading your article or following you on Twitter right now, they're, they're missing out. So we're going to have thousands of people listening to this podcast, and uh, I know there's, there's a what, – what's your follower count up to right now, Ash? Let's see if we can make move um, the needle here. Yes, yeah, so needle moved a bit today. Um, I think I started Good. today on about five hundred, and it jumped to oh, about five twenty. It's now about six forty. So, yeah, it's, um, it's leapt quite a bit already today. But um, all right, well, yeah, obviously, it, nice to get it higher. 
Yeah, there needs to be at least a thousand of you guys who are playing European Tour DFS. Um, as many people are going to listen to the show, need to be following Ash. Uh, gives some incredible advice, and um, and it just knows the stuff. So, little little infomercial there for Ash and his Twitter account at Ashley Morrison two R's two S's. All right, let's get into the seven K range. To me, this feels like it's going to be a dead range, which irritates me because. Like then that makes me feel pressured to play some of these guys because the ownership is going to be low. Do you agree, Pat? Like, what do you what do you think about this range? I mean, it does feel like everybody's going to do a lot of a lot of things in that eight k and nine k range, and you've got some value in the six k range. I feel like this is going to be a very dead zone without maybe a couple of players that will that I'm sure we'll get to. But who are you liking in this range, and what do you think as far as ownership? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you a little bit as far as the, the dead range, but there's some really good players here that, that probably should be priced a little bit higher, and I'm, I'm kind of shocked. But like one for is Mark Leach at, at you know right at the top at I believe 7800. You know he's top pinned in two of the last three uh, Open Championships. He's obviously a good ball striker. So I do like I do like Mark Leachman this week. Another guy that's playing just fantastic right now is Ian Poulter at 7,500. I mean, I feel like he's just hard to avoid. Uh, he checks the box on bogey avoidance, also strokes gained around the green. And, and so I think he is another guy that I, I think I'm definitely going to consider in my lineup. And Francisco Molinari at 7,300, he is just a driving accuracy just specialist and he's number one in the field when it comes to driving accuracy actually actually uh what the stat i mentioned earlier which was fairways gained he's number one so molinari poulter and zach johnson are going to be well and leishman and zach johnson are probably going to be my four favorite plays here but there's actually i think there's a lot more guys here than you may think to play no, there are. I just, I just feel like of all the ranges, this is the range that, I mean, I, I think there's probably two or three guys, and I think you mentioned one of them in Ian Poulter, who are going to be the high, extremely high-owned in this range. Uh, and I think Poulter's going to be high-owned. I mean, I think there's, a, there's plenty of people talking about him already. He played well at the Scottish, although he faded on Sunday, much to my detriment. Uh, and I think Ashes as well. Um, would have had a better weekend had he had he not done so poorly. But he has been finding form. I, I just think there's going to be a lot of guys in this range that are going to be like sub eight percent. Um, Poulter's not one of them. But anyway, what about no, you, Ash? What do you what do you what do you like in this in this range? Right. So ooh, I, I, there's quite a few here, but um, yeah, I'm going to kick off with um, Harrington. Um, I think Padraig showed a lot of fine form last week. I had an absolutely shocking Saturday. Missed God knows how many putts from inside three, four foot, but could have been a very, very different tournament for him. So, so close to to actually being the winner. So I think if you ignore the Saturday performance, which was a little bit possibly out of character for the, the entire week, um, previous winner here, um, I think it's seven thousand two hundred. Is is worth a gamble. Um, in terms of ownership, I'm probably expecting that to have crept up a bit after last week. But um, it's what I heard afterwards. He's 
obviously in a great place at the moment. There's not too many swing thoughts going on, although his swing looks as though there's a million and one things going on. But yeah, I think um, the, the work he's doing with in terms of psychology, and that's what he's prepping towards, is a, another fantastic open performance. And that's what he's all about. So yeah, um, I think that's my favourite playing that category. Um, well, I agree with you there. I Andy like, I Sullivan. like Padre. Yeah, Sullivan. Yeah, Sully. I mean, another great Lynx golf player. So, um, very, very close at the moment. Not firing on all cylinders, but in many ways, maybe not winning the Scottish as no one's ever moved on from winning the Scottish and gone on to win the Open could serve him well. So, showing good form. Hits the ball a little higher, but hits it very pure, very straight. Um, yeah, and again, the sort of character that I think he can take this in his stride, and I think it's time we've seen an Englishman win uh, the Open at Birkdale. All right, I know you got to have other plays in the seven K range, so don't don't be bashful. Give them all to us, Ash. Okay, so Poulter, yeah, he's hungry. Um, okay. Obviously, came off of qualifying, doing it the hard way through final qualifying at Woburn. Um, then been showing good form since. Oh, disappoints me massively with his Sunday performance and, and hurt my lineup hugely. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not going to burn him for that reason and I'm going to play him again. So I think another another solid player on Lynx Golf um, in particular does hit a very, very low ball flight. So conditions could particularly play well to him. Um, very patient, massively experienced. And when he starts to show that hunger, as we've seen him ride a cup performances, etc., uh, that's when you see the best of him. So, yeah, again, another player like there. Um, outside of that, oh, I think, again, maybe a little bit more towards cash. I think Westwood's a good play. And, of course, one of the pod bros, Beef. He's um, <laughs> been turning back. Oh, yeah, yeah, top, top guy. Um, got to meet him a little bit, chat to him quite a bit at Walton Heath, and since returning home from the States, he's he's back with his coach, back on familiar ground, enjoying his golf even more, um, but more importantly, swinging a lot better than he was. So, yeah, he's um, playing good stuff, getting good results, and I think at 7,000, I think that's just incredible value. Gotta love it when Ash uh, drops the Pod Bros uh, reference, trying to sell T-shirts for us. Thank you for that, Ash. We appreciate it. Those, those, are, those are by which, far by the way, worst. Ash, worst I gotta apologize. I gotta apologize, Ash. When you get your your DJ care package that I sent to you, I forgot to send you a Pod Bros T-shirt. So David <laughs> David was mad at me when I I told him I forgot to throw that in there. So I'll have to send you one of those too. Yeah, we sent you everything else, though. but we forgot that. <laughs> See, I do have my um, TJ signed uh, beef hat. That's right, you right do up. have a beef. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, but... Well, a, a few guys for me. I mean, I, I think one interesting play, and we'll see what happens with his ownership because he missed the cut at the Scottish. Uh, but he he he's such a he's such a class player. He fired a seventy seventy six at the Scottish. But he was 23% owned in, in high-dollar GPPs and 21% owned in small-dollar GPPs. And that's Alex Norman 
at 7,800. So he burned a fair amount of people last weekend at the Scottish. If they were playing DFS and they're playing DFS this week, they're not going to be happy about that. Um, the guy's a, a world-class player. I believe he's still ranked number nine in the world. And I, I just feel like he's an interesting play from an ownership angle. If he continues to not get a lot of love, I think he's a guy in this dead zone that could go sub 10% owned. And give me a guy like Alex Norin on a link-style golf course, especially if conditions get difficult, I'd like to have a little of him. Mark Leishman, I think you're right, Pat. I mean, it's hard to ignore uh, Leishman. He tends to to play well on more difficult courses. He's made three out of his last five cuts at the Open with two top 25. Also agree with you on Molinari. I think Molinari's going under the radar right now, and I really like Molinari. Very accurate guy. Um, made five out of his last five cuts at the Open with two top 25s. I think he's another one that, in cash, I could easily build around. If if it does become a birdie fest and, and ashes, you know, is given the report late on on uh, or early on Wednesday morning or Thursday morning, saying that you know it's, it's not going to be as the conditions aren't going to be as brutal as we thought they were. Then I might I might not play him. But if it becomes one of these par fests, I think Monari's your guy. Uh, I, I like Zach Johnson at seventy six hundred. I think Zach is not getting a whole lot of love. I mean, this guy beast at open venues. Five out of his last five cuts made at the open with four top twenty five, showing good form. At the John Deere, you know, with his top five, I mean, I think it's an, I think it's the GPP play a little bit like like Norin. I mean, I don't know that I'd have a lot of him in cash. I'd rather go to Molinari or even Matt Kuchar at seventy two hundred. But I think ZJ is a play here. Um, again, maybe like Molinari, if the conditions look a little more difficult, we saw him win at St Andrews when the conditions were difficult. So, and then Matt Kuchar is a chalky play at seventy two hundred. He's going to be massively owned. But Kuchar just can't do any wrong right now. I mean, it's just it's just a fact of life. Like, the guy's going to backdoor top 10. He's not going to miss the cut. Uh, he's severely undervalued, a lot like a lot like Fowler. In fact, him and Padraig Harrington, both at $7,200, have the same odds to win as Shane Lowry and Patrick Reed, but a $700 savings. So I think that's interesting. I'm also with you on Sullivan. Same odds to win as Zach Johnson, so a little bit less than, than ZJ, but uh, but I like Sullivan. Showed some form at the Scottish, definitely faded a little bit on Sunday as well, kind of like Poulter. They they both kind of flamed out on Sunday at the Scottish, but I like a little Andy Sullivan, and and you know especially with DraftKings being kind of a there's there's way more U.S. players in DraftKings. Any any Euros are going to go lower on, and it really shouldn't be that way. Um, so I think. Sullivan's going to get overlooked in the in the seven K range right now. If we look on FanShare, you've got Matt Kuchar as the most popular, then Poulter, then Norin, which doesn't make me happy actually, and then Molinari, which also doesn't make me happy, and then Weisberger. Like I'm a little surprised. Neither one of you named Weisberger. What, what do we think about Burn? Like the guy hasn't missed a cut all year. He didn't, he didn't play great at the Scottish, but he still hasn't missed a cut all year. Ash, what's your take on on Burn? You there, Ash? Yeah, sorry, sorry, I'm here. Um, no, yeah, no um, you fall, did you fall asleep on us? <laughs> no, 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 still going, still going. <laughs> um, yeah, Beesberger, it's an interesting one. It's, he's, 
I'm actually going to fade him this week. Um, okay. Regardless of the amount of, of cuts made, the steady play, I think in GPP, he's, yeah, he's, he's potentially going to make a cut very comfortably. But I also think that if I'm looking for potential winners, I think Wiesberg is great at top 25. But yeah, I'd like to see a lot more better performances. So US Open was stunning. But outside of that, um, obviously he has had his win. But yeah, I don't think he's really one that I'll be looking at for the win here. I think he'd make a cup, finish middle of the road. But if we're talking Millie Maker, then you're, you're looking for guys inside the top 10. All right, tons of guys in the 6K range, if you ask me. I think there's a lot of value here, and I think there will be um, guys in the 6K range who will be in the uh, at least one, maybe two, that will be in the winning Millie Maker lineup, if you ask me. So uh, a lot to talk about here in the 6K range. Let's get it started. Pat, I'm going to kick it off to you. You don't have to name everybody, but let's start um, with, with just maybe uh, – Let's look at the sixty nine hundred to sixty five hundred dollar range. Give me everybody that you like in that in that range. Well, I, I'm the, I'm with you. I think there are so many people that you could choose here. Um, but I'll start off with last week's Scottish Open champion Rafa Cabrera Bello. I mean, I think at sixty seven hundred, that's just a stupid price for him. Obviously, is is in great form. Um, he's got the same odds this week as players that are much higher price than him, or not much higher price, but at least, you know, a few hundred above him, and Westwood, uh, Ned, and then um, in Poulter, I think, you know, so I think Rafa is is just a good pick at 6,700. I don't see why you'd avoid him. He's 65 to 1 in the betting odds, so um, you know, he's, he's one that I really like this week. Also, you you're gonna laugh at me for this, but I love Kit. I think at 6700, he's a guy that he's always very accurate accurate off the tee, great ball striker, good putter, good at bogeys bogey avoidance, playing you know lights out right now. This to me, if if Kiz is ever gonna win a major, this is the one that I think he would win is actually the British Open. So. I do like Kiz this week. And then finally, I'll throw, well, I'll throw out two more guys. I like Ross Fisher at 6,700. Text the box for me on ball striking. Proximity has been playing pretty well lately. And then Ryan Fox at 6,600. Uh, the guy Ooh. on fire. Three straight top 10 finishes. I don't know how you can avoid that. So, so there you Ooh, go. Ryan Fox. Nice. All right, Ash, what say you? What did the Fox say? Oh God! Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm there with Fox. Um, there with Fisher. Um, uh, uh, yeah, Rafa. Yeah, all three of those I agree with completely. Um, got those written down. Yeah, they're going to feature in my drafts. There's no doubt about it. That bottom end, especially if I'm going to look based on the more expensive players. Um, I think maybe a little bit in cash. Um, Us Lauten, I think another steady player, but really, yeah, probably not. Yeah, I, getting close, getting very close. I think twelve out of thirteen made cut. Only the one top ten, but yeah, uh, you know he, he's not far away from firing. He's looking a little bit better. Um, if the wind picks up, then someone I'll potentially play and and 
and hopefully just keeps us steady around the around the golf than others. So, um, oh, who else do I quite like in that section? Um, I mean, you've got Tanihara as well, sixty-seven hundred. Um, fantastic performance in the Irish Open. I think conditions were probably a little bit more favourable for him. But oh, and one other, uh, the scientist, uh, the Shamrock. Oh, really? Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> see, I'm not a big fan of him. I'm really not. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't like the science behind the game. I don't like the way he swings. I don't like his approach and the way he's always trying to change it and market himself. But do you know what? I think potentially if he if he's confident, if his science works, then yeah, he he could be a good shout and very low ownership compared to others in this range. I think. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think it'll be too high owned even after the win at the John Deere. That's for sure. Um. I'm with you on Fisher. I had Fisher written down. I had Cabrera Bello written down. I had, um, who else did you say? Let's see. I did not have Luton written down. That's interesting. Um, I, I kind of like, if 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 we get tough conditions, I like Stricker at 69. Um, I really like Brant Snedeker at 6,800. Sneds just tremendous open championship record uh these last last five years with four made cuts out of the five tries and three top 25 definitely plays well in tough conditions um and can can put the ball better than better than, than most i have a little fancy towards jason duffner and i don't i i, I wasn't on him he missed a cut at the Scottish, uh, I think by a shot, maybe, or by, I think it was by a shot, maybe by two shots at the Scottish. But I just feel like Duffner's an ownership play. I mean, he's, he's not done much since he won at, uh, at Memorial, but I know traditionally he can play difficult golf course as well. If it get if it comes down to accuracy, he's one of the most accurate guys on tour. It's all about the putter for Duffner. So I think I will have a little exposure to him in GPPs. Uh, just to kind of just to kind of see what's going on with Duff, I I, I kind of like him. Um, other than that, in the sixty five hundred dollars range and above, I think I'm about good. If I look down, well, no, I I, I kind of I like I like Brian Harmon too at sixty six hundred. I'm trying to avoid guys coming over from John Deere a little bit. I mean, I, I don't I, I like guys who play the Scottish a little bit better, but. You can't ignore Harmon's form. You can't ignore how accurate the guy is. The putter can get hot. The putter was a little cold on Sunday at the Deer. I think he could have. I think he could have pressed it and, and given Rogers and DeChambeau a run. But sixty six hundred, I don't mind Harmon. Um, other than that, we're getting down into the sub sixty five range for me and our kind of scrub plays of the week. So I'll. I'll tell you what, I'll start. Ash got me on this guy weeks ago, and I've been riding him ever since to some green screens. It's, it, it's never like huge finishes, but it's make cuts, and that's how Tong Lee. You know, Ash, I, I'd love for you to talk me out of him if you think it's a bad move. He did finish 50th at the at the Scottish with not a great weekend, which did not make me happy. But I feel like for a cut maker at 6,400, I like how Tong Lee. Um, also, as a just GPP absolute flyer, been in horrible form of late, but that's Cam Smith 
The Aussie tends to hit, uh, play the ball well in windy conditions. Also, an incredible scrambler. I think, again, if, if tough conditions present themselves, I think Cam Smith is interesting. Um, Stewart Sink at 6,300 is one of the lowest uh, or one of the most uh, just undervalued plays of the week, if you ask me. Um, the odds should dictate him being a little bit higher. He's got a great open track record, very accurate player. Uh, I think I think sixty three hundred is is ridiculous for Stewart Sink. Uh, this Julian Surrey guy, I guess I don't really know a lot about him, Ash, but he he seemed to pop a little bit. Maybe you can help me out with him. He's interesting. Maverick McNeely is a little interesting to me at sixty two as well. But that but that that about wraps it up for me. I mean, that's as low as I'm going. I know you've got a few of these guys down at the bottom that you may have some insight on if somebody really wants to go deep dive in. So what do you think, Ash, about the sub-$6,500 range? Yeah, so uh, starting with Suri, yeah, um, I really like him this week. He's do you? Okay. In, what, what's what's his upside? Impressive. What's his upside? What's so, the best he's going to do? Do you know, he he could comfortably top 10. Um, really? Oh, God, yeah. He's... Absolutely been in incredible form. So most of his golf has played on the Challenge Tour. Um, he's had um, a handful of invites onto the European Tour, but been making huge waves on the Challenge Tour. Highly spoken about. Um, I didn't really know a lot about him at the start of the season, but grabbed my attention in a big way. His scoring is unreal. So wow. he's very, very low. Um, he's got a 62, 63 in him. Um, He's making cuts left, right, and center, competing week in, week out on the Challenge Tour for victory. So, um, okay, it's a smaller, smaller tour, but the caliber on there is incredible, just like web.com. So, um, there's no reason why someone can't break through. And in terms of, if you're looking for someone aggressive and to make birdies, yeah, I think Sturry's a great play. Really do. Wow. Think high, well, same high odds, point scorer. Yeah, same uh, same Vegas odds to win as uh, Zanotti and Wesley Bryant at four hundred dollars left. Yeah. I was a little surprised to see that. So interesting stuff. Yeah. All right, who else you got? Um, so down in this top range as well. Um, and you've got Andrew Dote that's obviously performed well last week in the Scottish. Um, also performed really well in the Irish. So in terms of links form. Um, yeah, very, very solid coming into the Open. So another player that I'm quite comfortable with that will make the cut, um, whether or not it'll break into the higher spots is, is yet to be seen, but good in tough conditions. Um, obviously confident at the moment, so another player I quite like. Um, I mean, down at this bottom range, it, it's not somewhere that I'm dipping into massively. And, you're going to have people going for the likes of um, Hayden McCullen. There's quite a bit yep. of talk about him having qualified from Hillside. Um, obviously, a neighbouring golf course shot nine under for the qualifiers. Um, and he's been pairing up with the likes of Justin Thomas for practice rounds, etc. But I think the experience is going to be way, way too big for him. So although there's quite a bit of talk, it's not someone I'm particularly interested in. Um, the, there is one guy um, maybe it's a little bit of local favouritism but I'm picking him actually for low amateur um, 
which is a guy called Alfie Plum, right down at the bottom end at 6,000. So, fantastic links form. Um, he's just come off the back of winning in the European Amateur Championship. Previously won at Royal Lytham St. Anne's, so he's actually won on an open venue before as well. Wow. So, if you really want to dig really deep, um, I mean, I've actually played with the guy. Um, I played with him a couple of years ago in open qualifying, funny enough. Um, and I mean, he's not a bomber. He doesn't hit the ball miles, but hits it very, very pure. Hits it very straight. Keeps the ball under control. Very good with the passer. So, and in tough conditions, again, fantastic performers. So, right down at that very bottom end, it wouldn't surprise me to see him make the cut, but also contend um, in terms of the um, the low amateur. So, I'll be putting a little side bet on him this week. And yeah, there you go. Obviously, confident at the moment going into this. So, yeah, quite like him. Um, others in the 6k range I mean yeah I don't think outside of those I'm really drafting anyone else I think that's where I'm putting most of my confidence um, the only other player is Alexander Bjork so again fairway finder very accurate off the tee um, still with a bit of yardage as well off the tees so Got to see a lot of him at Walton Heath. Really liked what I saw there. And in terms of course fit, yeah, again, I think that's, that's about, about right for him. 14 out of 18 cuts made this year, three top 10s. Um, yeah, quite like him as a as a pick at 6,400. Nice. All right. What about you, Pat? Wow. I don't know where to go from there. I think... Uh... I think that's pretty much covered it. The only guy I'll throw out there that we actually stated last week uh, was Jamie Lovemark. And I think that he's he interests me a little bit just from the stat categories this week. I think um, if we're talking about the under, you know, he's sitting here at 6,400. He is uh, 15th in strokes gained off the tee. He's fifth, uh, fifth in the field in strokes gained around the green. Uh, so I think Love Mark could be an interesting play, but other than that, I'm just gonna I'm gonna defer to Ash on on these guys under under 6,500. All right, let's do some. We're we're gonna wrap this up, but let's do some rapid fire real quick before we do. We've we've, uh, we've definitely given a lot to you. It's a big week, we know. So let's do some. Let's do a little bit of rapid fire. I want you guys to go back up to the uh, the five digit range. You've got one guy to hang your hat on in the five-digit range. One guy. One guy. You're only going to pick one guy. Who's it going to be at? Sergio. Okay. Passes Sergio. Ash, what about you? Uh, John Rom. John Rom. All right. Uh, if I got to pick one guy in the think here in the in the five digit and above range, okay, that's it. Um, give me one guy in the nine k range that you will. I think if I say fade, you're you're gonna you're gonna say Brooks. So give me the guy other than Brooks that you will have the least exposure to. Uh, mine would be Tommy Fleetwood. Ash, what about you? Thomas Peters. Peters in the no Peters in the AK that. No fair, you oh, cheated. Sorry. 9K. <laughs> I'm the 9K. Um, Other than Brooks. Um, 
other than Brooks, Hadaiki. Okay. Pat, what about you? Hmm. And I can't say Kepka? No, you can't say Kepka because I knew I knew that'd be everybody's answer. Uh I'd say I'd probably say Hideki too, even though I love him. <laughs> That's okay. a hard question. I, I'd like right, to pass on that one. All right, what about the 8K fade for you? The number one 8K fade for you, I guess the Ash, that would be Thomas Peters. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, it's Thomas Peters. Yep. For me, it is probably Justin Thomas. Not a fan of the high ball flight or the temperament, uh, as Ash mentioned. What about you, Pat? I'd get Terrell Hatton. I kind of think so. You know, I mentioned I mentioned in the beginning like you overpay for a player. I think Hatton is overpriced right now given form, but I think that's a contrarian play. I mean, he he's a great putter. Um, we know he can play well on venues like this. He just hasn't late. I think he could be an interesting contrarian play. But I totally get I totally get the fade. Um, give me the. Can I just add something to the? the yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, so I mean, obviously his form's been, been less than, than where it should be, but um, I saw him post on Twitter halfway through the tournament last week that he unfortunately lost his granddad on the I think it was mm. on, the, on the Thursday, uh, might have been on the Friday morning. But I have he is very much a player that needs to be in the right place. Um, speaks about it quite openly himself, so. Um, Right now, I'd have to fade him completely. Mm. I think it's just yeah. way too much of a gamble for a player that's potentially not got his head in the right place. Yeah, and fortunately, that was that was why I was saying that because I actually saw that on his grandfather, and uh, certainly a prayers up to the Hatton family. But that that was one of the reasons Definitely. I was fading him. I just felt like he wasn't in the in a great place for this week. All right, so I'm going to take you down to the low range. If you're in the Millie Maker, who is the absolute cheapest play that you will roster in a Millie Maker lineup? Absolute cheapest play you'll roster in a Millie Maker lineup based on. I don't. I don't think this is quite a contrarian play, but for me, it's going to be Stewart Sink at 6,300. What about you? Uh, what about you, Pat? Oh, I was hoping you were going to get to Ash first. Um, <laughs> I think for me, I, I mentioned Jamie Lovemark earlier. I think that's going to be who it is for me. It's okay. 6,400. All right, what about you, Ash? Yeah, so Julian Suri. And yeah, he's in. A, he's going into a Millie Maker lineup without a doubt. Um, the only thing that will pull him out is bad side of the draw. But yeah, he's in there for me. All right, so we 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 usually make a one and done pick. Ash, I don't know. Are you in our one and done league? By the way, did you get into I'm that? Not, no. Okay. No. no I didn't. Well, if 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 you're if you were doing a one and done, um, yep. think about this. But Pat, me and you at least need to make our one and done pick for the week. I've been saving all of my studs for, um, you know, for the majors. However, I'm so far behind. I've got to make up ground. So I don't know really what to do. But uh, do you have your one and done? Do I? I yeah, yes, I do. Okay, who's your one and done? I'm going to go with, uh, like, I have, now, typically you might say, who are you going to 
pick to win for the one and done because I'd probably say Ricky Fowler for that, but because I think there's going to be a few people that go with him, I'm going to go with Henrik Stenson, actually. I'm going to go back-to-back open championships for Henrik Stenson. He is going to be my one Jeez. and done pick. Jeez. Nice. Uh, I'm going to hedge against my DFS playing, and I'm going to go Tommy Fleetwood. I've not picked Tommy Fleetwood. I, I, he's definitely not going to be a lone wolf. I'm not going to get a huge advantage. But I do like, I mentioned I like Tommy somewhat, but I, I'm just not going to have a lot of him in DFS, mainly for popularity. But I, I'm going to hedge against that and go one and done, and maybe I can make up a little ground there. Um, so, yeah, that's it for me. Uh, any other closing thoughts? Ash, uh, we, we appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for all you do and the, the write-ups and uh, waking up early for us or, or, or late, depending on which way you look at it. Uh, it's been a pleasure. We, we'd love to have you on again sometime, man. Uh, any, any other closing thoughts for you? Um, yeah, uh, there's a couple. I mean, yeah, obviously keep an eye out on the weather. Um, keep on checking out as often as you possibly can. Um, some of the bits you're hearing about, it's an old man's course. You can put that to one side. Um, yeah, go with players. If the weather's calm, go with players that are going to score well. If the weather's going to change then, yeah, look for your look for your steady eddies out there. But um, I'm really looking forward to the tournament. Looking forward to getting the the Millie Maker underway. Um, hopefully, the form continues. So, but yeah, it's been an absolutely absolute pleasure being on. And thank you very much for having me on. Absolutely, man. We need to try to get you. Uh, maybe we'll we'll talk later about getting you in the shot in the arm chat room, which is on Roto Grinders. Uh, if you guys don't don't already subscribe to that, it's six bucks for the week for the open. We've already got some content up regarding DraftKings pricing versus Vegas odds and kind of who's undervalued, who's overvalued. And then we'll have a bunch of write-ups going up this week, as we always do. But uh, we'll be in the chat room Wednesday night, but that'll be, uh, uh, I, you know, the, the timing is different. So maybe at some point we can get we can get Ash in the chat room. It's a lot of fun, Ash. You need to you need to try it out. We'll, if if we do that, we'll announce it on Twitter. How about that? Yes, sounds good. I'm up for that. All right, Pat. Any closing thoughts for you, bud? Oh, that's all I got. And good luck to everybody. Green screens this week for the Open Championship. I cannot wait. That's right. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Listen, if you guys have a great week, be sure to tweet us. Uh, and listen, we, we talked a little bit about the PGA Championship, which is our final major of the year. We have got some exciting news that we'll be releasing uh, either this week uh, on Twitter or on the next podcast. So stay stay tuned for a chance to, uh, to possibly do something really freaking cool with me and Pat at the PGA Championship. So that's a little teaser for those of you who only tend to, to listen to tour junkies during majors, but shame on you. But for those of you that do, that's uh, that, that's coming. And uh, again, the Swing Caddy promo. Don't forget, you can click on the link on our website. You can type in Tour Junkies," all one word, in the uh, promotion code you know box there as you check out, and you get uh, you get the Swing Caddy for two hundred eighty nine bucks instead of three hundred fifty. And we're gonna get you one, Ash. So once again, hope also everybody that, has that, a that huge. Don't week. forget that huge uh, huge interview that's coming out at the end of the big week, interview. So. Big interview coming out. That's right. Yes, and so you got to retweet it. We talked about that. Uh, and on on the uh, you know, by the way, on, in regards to the PGA Championship, Fantasy Draft has the 
um, what is it, the live final for $109 entry. If you get in the live final, you're going to be hanging at the uh, at the tent on 18 at the PGA Championship for Quail Hollow. And they'll pay for your flight and airfare or hotel and all that kind of stuff. And then you get to hang out. We'll, we'll be there on Saturday for the uh, for the PGA Championship. The chalet. Kind of the chalet. Yeah, the chalet. Maybe, maybe Ash can win that and we'll, we'll stick it to fantasy draft for the flight from the UK. That'd be pretty cool. That's a good call. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the Tour Junkies podcast. We appreciate it. Thanks for being patient with us. It's a, it's an important week, so we had to we had to go long. We wanted to make sure we gave you all the details. Thanks again to Ash. If you don't follow him on Twitter, it's at Ashley Morrison. Two R's, two S's. He is your guy this week, and especially moving forward for European Tour DFS, he's your he's your man. So thanks again, Ash. We enjoyed it, and uh, I don't know if you've practiced, but you know we have a little sign off where I say see ya, and Pat says out. Do you have anything, or are you just gonna you just hanging up? No, no, I'll, I'll chuck something in. All right, here we go. Oh! Down.